As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person Anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The volume. Can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on any matchup. So right now, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas, must be 21 or older in eligible states, but ages vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. What is going on, my people? How are we doing? This is a little thing we call a podcast. We had some breaking news today. The Bills fired their offensive coordinator. Some thoughts on the Steelers. And are they going to be able to maintain what they're doing right now? As well as we're trying to add a little Tuesday therapy. We pick a bad team and try to shed some bright lights on a positive spin on you know what tends to be a, a, a down year. And then Jimbo Fisher paid a lot of money to leave, to not coach. You know, a lot of us really like work. I know I do. I'm lucky to enjoy what I do, but I, I don't care how much you love what you do. If you were already really rich and someone pays you $75 million that you negotiated for, so you, it's not like you deserved it or didn't deserve it. You you get what you deserve by negotiations. But to just leave, I mean, it's 
Got to be a pretty powerful feeling. Talk about a golden parachute for a guy who did nothing for A&M, really. And, uh, but just some overall thoughts on, on why that continues to happen, these big buyouts in college sports. And, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. We got a new YouTube page. Just type in John Middlecoff. Subscribe to the Volumes uh, 3 and Out YouTube page. All of our content's going to be up there. So just nonstop. I mean, we, we do... We do a lot of stuff here, a lot of podcasts, a lot of takes, a lot, lot of videos. We are coming fast and furious up there, like fast and furious with this podcast. Subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. I appreciate everyone that has. If you listen through Colin's feed, thank you guys uh, for subscribing to the 3 and Out feed and listening that way. Appreciate all you guys uh, for making this show what it has become and what it's becoming. I know we got a lot of day ones out there, and I see you, I feel you. I actually don't see you because... This is all internet-based, and this is a podcast where we talk, we don't see, but thank you. So just want to say thank you midway through the NFL season. Hopefully everyone's having a blast, unless you're a Bills fan, and we'll dive into that. Before we dive into some meaty football stuff, can uh, you guys hear me out on something? Go to your app store on your cell phone. Download a little app called GameTime. And when you download GameTime, which is the official ticketing app of this podcast, here's what I need you to do. I need you to buy a pair of tickets. Football games, basketball games, hockey games, concerts, comedy shows. Go enjoy yourself. They're the fastest ticketing app in America. And when you go enjoy yourself, when you buy that first pair of tickets, use a little promo code called John. Promo code John, J-O-H-N. In these inflationary times, saving a little money is always awesome. Promo code John gets you $20 off your first pair of tickets, athletic events, college, pro, concerts, you want to be a Swifty, comedy shows, we got you covered. Promo code John, don't even need to thank you. Just hammer J-O-H-N, game time app, fast scoring ticketing app in America. Let's start with the Buffalo Bills. And the old adage is, can't fire players, <laughs> especially guys that are making a lot of money, right? I don't know if you saw the uh, latest headline with the New York Yankees, but the general manager's taking big time shots at the highest paid player on the team, John Carlos Stanton. Can't fire Stanton. <laughs> you can't just cut him. You own that money. It's guaranteed. And I'm not trying to compare John Carlos Stanton to Josh Allen. But when a highly paid guy struggles and you're a team, and let's use the Yankees and the Bills as an example, when you become one of the powers in your sport, the expectations are super high. Right right now, the Raiders rattle off a couple wins and everyone is doing cartwheels. People are so happy that there's a two-game winning streak. Anything less than 12 or 13 wins when you're the Buffalo Bills, is a disaster. Anything less than the NL East, or excuse me, the AL East, if you're the New York Yankees, is viewed as a failure. So when you miss the playoffs altogether, heads roll. Now, that's a separate conversation when it comes to the Yankees. No one ever gets fired for some reason there. With the Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott has proven people won't last when expectations are not met which is kind of crazy because what are the actual expectations of the Buffalo Bills? I know every team loves to say, Super Bowl or bust. Like, no, you're not Super Bowl or bust. That ain't the case. That is actually, there's one team in the NFL that can be truly disappointed if they don't win the Super Bowl. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been three of the last five. They've won a couple. They're the only current group right now that can go, when the season starts, anything less than a Super Bowl is a disappointment. The Eagles are the 49ers. If they get to the Super Bowl and were to lose, well, it would hurt. It would really suck. And Eagle fans, you know, last year, that sucked. 
Niner fans a couple years ago in 2019, not fun. Still a very, very successful year, right? And the Bills are just looking AFC Championship game where they haven't been to many over the last 25 years would be a successful season. I'm sorry, but how it looks matters. And even last year, you win a bunch of games, you're hosting playoff games, but to get your ass kicked by the Bengals, like, just didn't fly, even though the Bengals are better than you. Like, Joe Burrow's a better player than Josh Allen, right? That's not even really arguable at this point. And I'm a huge Josh Allen fan. I am. I, I He is the type player that I want. A little less turnovers, but big, fast, strong, huge arm. Guy I know I can go to war with. Guy who's proven to play well in big games. But the way he's currently playing in 2023 is a disaster. I mean, he's on pace for 18, 19 interceptions. Even if you threw 50 touchdowns, if you throw 18 or 19 interceptions, unless you have the best defense in the NFL, you're going to have major issues. So clearly right now with their defense having a lot of injury issues, his turnovers are fucking killing them. And let's face it, obviously you wouldn't cut Josh Allen after a bad year even if you could. That's not good players have rough stretches. But it's a major problem. And in football, it goes, you're either coaching or allowing it to happen. So when Josh Allen had most of his success is under Brian Dayball, who's long gone? And this is the argument, if you want to go to Coward's thing about not hiring defensive head coaches, they have nothing to do with the quarterback. Most of defensive head coaches couldn't tell you the majority of offensive plays. That sounds crazy, but that is just a fact. I'm not making that up. This is from being around the NFL This is from talking to people that work for different teams. This is for talking to offensive coaches that work for defensive head coaches. They don't know the playbook, which isn't that big a deal if you have a really good offensive coordinator and a really good quarterback, i.e. Sean McDermott when he had Brian Dayball and Josh Allen. Right right now, Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin. John Harbaugh feels pretty good about it. Felt pretty good about it a lot of times with Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson. It happens. But beside given motivation and confidence, or stern warnings, that's not okay to throw that pass, the head coach doesn't bring much to the table when it comes to the quarterback. Whether you're Sean McDermott, whether you're Brandon Staley, hell, whether you're Mike Tomlin. It's all, you know, kind of big picture stuff. There isn't individual coaching going on when it comes to certain plays. Now, there might be, like I said, don't make that pass, don't throw it into double coverage. But to think that these guys could rattle off every route, every audible on that route, everything at the line of scrimmage that the quarterback's supposed to know, think about, is just, you'd be wrong to think that they're at that level. They're just not. So when you get in these situations, when the high-paid quarterback starts sucking, and that's what Josh Allen currently is doing in these Monday night games, he looks like a complete scrub. He looks like a bigger, faster, stronger version of like Mac Jones. There's only one person to go. The head coach is never going to fire himself. Right, he's, He likes making his 12 13 $14 million, and he wants to keep his job. So he's not going to fire himself. Well, who's he going to fire? The offensive coordinator. Now, I'm not acting like Ken Dorsey is the second coming of Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. But to think that after last night, it's all Ken Dorsey's fault, to me, seems a little crazy. Right now, are there elements of Brian Dayball, kind of a hard ass, not allowing Josh to get away with some of this stuff? Sometimes when your game falters to me in football, especially at quarterback, it's because you get away from the fundamentals. 
And if you go just YouTube Tom Brady or Peyton Manning at practice, how seriously they take fundamentals. I'm talking footwork. I'm talking three, five, seven-step drops. I'm talking play fakes. Remember in Hard Knocks when Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson in the room with Hackett were trying to guess, is this a run or is this a pass? And Aaron Rodgers take play fakes very, very seriously. Fundamentals of the position all bleed in to the other stuff. Scrambling around, making big throws. And when you watch Josh Allen, and Favre became this when Holmgren left. It just kind of becomes willy-nilly. And like I said with Sean McDermott, who I've known for a decade plus, I like Sean McDermott. And when I hear people say he's pretty rigid, yeah, he's very a disciplined, old-school guy. So beside, like, get your shit together, I, I just don't know what else he can say to Josh Allen beside, like, get on the coordinator. And clearly the coordinator just wasn't getting the job done. It's the way it works. It's the best part about pro sports. It's very black and white. It's a result-oriented business. When you start sucking on a certain side of the ball, heads roll. When you start losing, you end up losing your job. Like if Sean McDermott, to me, if they win seven, eight games, I don't care how much money he's owed, and I'm pretty sure he's owed a lot of money, he will not be the head coach of the Buffalo Bills moving forward. This is the way the league works. Fair or not. Which I could argue it's a little unfair, given how much success they've had over the last three years. But that's just the nature of the beast. And clearly they'd want to get an offensive head coach because their entire franchise hinges on this individual playing well, right? It was like, if you're going to fire McDermott, it's like when Holmgren left, and I'm not comparing McDermott to Holmgren. Holmgren was better. But like, you hire someone, it's all about making Josh Allen right. It's all about getting him under control and not having him throw the ball to the other team. It's really just that simple. I mean, honestly, it's, it's not that complicated of a sport. Now, there's a ton of pressure on Joe Brady. Last time I checked, he got a ton of credit for Joe Burrow. Turned out there were co-offensive coordinators on that LSU team. And then when he went to the Panthers, which, in fairness, was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, a lot of random quarterbacks. And Matt Rule hasn't proven exactly to be the next Nick Saban, even at Nebraska, let alone, you know, in, in the pros. He was terrible. But he did fire him after a bye week. Told him to pack your shit and get out of here. And there was a ton of hype on that guy. So I, I don't feel great about Joe Brady just being able to save the day. But I, I think one thing that goes sometimes untalked about in these situations is how big of a hand the owner has, right? The owner's spending a shitload of money on a lot of players. They invested a ton of cash in Von Miller. Like, they would like to have that one back. Now, I love Von Miller. He made me a ton of money when I bet on the Denver Broncos in that Super Bowl against Carolina. He was, and I, I've seen him play several times in his prime, is one of the great players any sport, from Barry Bonds to Ken Griffey to Steph Curry to LeBron, I've ever, in the peak of his powers, dude was an unstoppable pass-rushing force. Third and eight, third and ten, must pass down in his prime. He was creating havoc. I don't care if you got Trent Williams, it was going to be a long night. Anthony Munoz, he is elite, but he's old now. He's coming off an ACL, and you gave him $55 plus million. And when you give that amount of money to older players, it limits what else you could do, especially when you're paying your quarterback a, a ton of money. Ultimately, this is all about fixing the quarterback. And that's what Sean McDermott's trying to do here, but he doesn't really have any answers. There's nothing else he can really do but do this. And I think you have to wonder out loud over these next however many games they have left, whether they're five and five, seven games left, is his job on the line. Because I think you'd be naive to think that it's not. 
Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I got some DMs about Tomlin and just the job he's doing. Like it's pretty crazy. They're six and three. Their starting quarterbacks have thrown a combined seven touchdowns. Trubisky and Pickett. And if you watch their games, they go three and out. I've talked about it with Stucky more than any team in the league. Almost like 48%, 47% of the time, they go three and out. So almost 50% chance when the Pittsburgh Steelers get the football, they're going to be three plays and punt the football. That, that's crazy. But they're six and three. And you're six and three. You know, you got eight games left. You will go four and four down the stretch. You're a 10-win team. Probably a wild card. And so I just looked at all the other six-win teams, what production they're getting out of their quarterback. Like the Minnesota Vikings, who are 6-4. and four. Even if you just take Kirk Cousins, who's obviously missed the last couple games, he had thrown 18 touchdowns. Dobbs added three. They got 21 touchdowns from their quarterback. The Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, 6-3. and three. 17 touchdowns. The 49ers, 6-3. and three. Purdy, 15 touchdowns. Seattle, 11 touchdowns from Geno Smith. And obviously they have a good run game. Like the Browns, to me, are a good example with the Steelers who have eight touchdowns with P.J. Walker and Deshaun Watson. And their team, it, it, a lot like the Steelers, it's pretty crazy they're at where they're at. But their defense is even on a higher level than Pittsburgh. Like, to me, Pittsburgh's secondary is questionable. It's the pass rush is just all-time elite. Now they're missing linebackers. But the Miami Dolphins, who are 6-3, and three, two has thrown 19 touchdowns. 19 touchdowns. So when I look at this team, it's Mike Tomlin's a badass. If you were going to want to have some beers and hang out with one coach in the NFL, he would be near the top, right? Guys like him and Vrabel that you just want to be a fucking dude with and just kick it with. And honestly, a guy to coach your team because he can just figure out a way. Not an easy watch, but he can figure out a way to win you games and you're never going to suck. I just don't know if this is sustainable, right? To me, the Browns somewhat are sustainable because Watson, as he showed in the second half, assuming he's healthy can just be somewhat solid, right? He's not probably as bad as he's been. He's never going to be as good as he once was. But he's definitely better than Kenny Pickett. So if he can just get them to a position where he plays, we've said this over and over, just like solid, they're going to be an 11-12 win team. Their defense is elite. The Steelers' defense isn't quite that. So is Kenny Pickett in their offense, and I saw that they named Warren the starting running back, which is the right move. I've watched Najee Harris since he was in high school. I have, I loved him. I mean, obviously he was one of the biggest recruits in the country. Followed his career very closely in Alabama. He's just pretty average. If you could have that as a do-over, they would have a do-over. Hell, they picked the wrong running back. Back-to-back picks. It was Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. In 2023, it's not even debatable who you'd rather have out of those two players. Najee Harris is a between-the-tackle running back, and he's just not that good between the tackles. He, like Sneaky, doesn't run that hard for a big physical back. You can be like, well, their offensive line sucks. I don't know. I just watch him. I don't think he's a very good player. And clearly the Steelers agree because they benched him. And they named Warren much smaller but much more explosive player willing to hit the hole. The starting guy. And he's going to get the bulk of the carries. Well-deserved. It's the way the NFL works. It's meritocracy. You either get it done or you don't. If you don't get it done, you'll get replaced. Because every year, whether you're a coach or whether you're a player, hell, whether you're a scout, you will get turned through. That's just the way the league works. Scouting's a little different. It's more like who you're friends with. But as a player, for sure, if you are not producing for your job, I don't care where you're picked, you will not hold on to that job for too long. I think the Steelers are one of the most fascinating case studies 
over this next month and a half. You know, the other thing they got going for them is like if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, the Ravens play the Bengals on Thursday night football. You're rooting for the Ravens just to say bye bye to the Bengals, get them gone. Because if they're gone, you knock them out, you start rooting against the Chargers, you get some of these teams that you kind of be competing against, like you're going to get a playoff spot. And this is the hard part. It's like Mike Tomlin, again, 10-7 and with average quarterback play, but then you lose in the first round? It just kind of feels like the same old, same old. But I, I, I do think it's pretty impressive what they're doing, given, like, it's not crazy the Cowboys, when they beat the shit out of everybody and they're scoring 40, 50 points, or when the Niners beat you by 30 points. Like, that's, like, they're good. Like, the Steelers, you watch them, I, I think the Packers stink. <laughs> I don't think they're good at all. I think Jordan Love is average as the day is long. And that was a game. I mean, he, Jordan Love's driving them down. If the DB doesn't make a play, tip it to the safety, Packers win that game. But that, that's how all their games look. Whether they're playing the Browns, the Ravens, or whether they're playing, you know, a team drafting in the top 10. And speaking of a team's drafting in the top 10, I wanted to do a little Tuesday therapy. I'm trying to bring this in. We're trying to shed a positive light uh, on this on this podcast, bring smiles to people's faces. I was probably leading the charge because I said at the time I, I used to live probably 20 minutes from where I'm sitting right now in closer to downtown and like Old Town Scottsdale in, in Paradise Valley uh, where all the super rich people live. And they, they're just, you know, 10 to 20 to $25 million homes there. And Jonathan Gannon had bought a home there for $10 million. And I said, God, this guy was a coordinator for two years. You got, it was just more of a reflection of the NFL money. Dude, you know, go right in. First year head coach. Had only been a coordinator for a couple years. Buying a $10 million home. Probably didn't even think twice about it. De- decent pad, but for $10 million, I'd, li- I'd like a little more. That's why I like North Scottsdale. But regardless, everyone was making fun of the guy. Pew, 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 pew. His, the way he led the team in that meeting that went viral. Their team actually has been pretty impressive, right? Starting with Josh Dobbs to what we just witnessed with Kyler Murray. Everyone thought they were going to be competing to have the number one pick, and Caleb Williams and his dad was going to deny going there. We refused to play for the Cardinals, a little Eli Manning style. Turns out the Cardinals actually are kind of feisty. And now that they got Kyler Murray back, I think you wave goodbye to drafting the top couple picks. I think this team, when you look up, is going to be like 6-11 and 11 and have probably upset some people down the stretch because... One thing all my guys in Philly said when everyone was making fun of them, they all liked him. They all liked him. And one thing I got pretty universally was that Gannon might be a better head coach than he was a coordinator because he's not, no one would get him confused with um, with like Belichick or Fangio as some X's knower, but he actually is a good leader of men, which was kind of funny because the pew, pew, pew comment and... Uh, you know, the, the, the other comment about fire in your belly did not look that way. But that's all I heard. And here's what you got to say. When you watch their team play, they're pretty impressive. And the way he's handled this Kyler Murray situation, also kind of impressive. And I, I'm telling you, if Kyler is just healthy, as he was against the Atlanta Falcons, he's a mother to play against, man. He, he really is. I don't care if he's throwing to me. I don't care if he's throwing to Larry Fitzgerald. Or I don't care if he's throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. He can make plays. He's done it his entire career. His issue is when he gets banged up, he becomes half as good. Like he becomes a shell of himself because of his size. You know how much his game is based on movement and the the explosive speed 
But the guy that I saw was, damn, what they did to the Falcons? If I'm a, if I'm an Arizona Cardinal fan, you're by no means a joke. And that was a team that, you know, the way we talk about the Giants, the way we talk about the Patriots, we all put in pen, not in pencil, that the Arizona Cardinals were going to be right there. Okay, last but not least, I find it funny that when the media makes fun of all these college athletic departments and universities that have these enormous buyouts for their coaches. And let's use this as an example. If you're listening to this right now and you negotiate deals for your company, whatever that may be, whether it's hiring employees, whether that be acquisitions, whether it be vendors you work with, I don't know, whatever it is, the more and more you do that, your life becomes, from professionally, very just based on dollars and cents. You, you become numb to money. I would say most of the best people in business as a negotiator are kind of unemotional when it comes to dollars and cents. I, honestly, I think one downfall of a lot of people is they become a, a little too emotionally tied to money. And I'm not acting like I, at points in time in my life, were never like that. Just as I've gotten older, I've realized how little money does to me and I've never made more, but it just the influence it has on my happiness, it's just, I, I've just become kind of numb to it. And it's made me better. I just negotiated, um, you know, I've negotiated these deals with the volume. And it's just, I, I don't care that much in terms of getting up and down over it. And most of the best agents I've talked to, people in business, I'm not saying you can't be emotionally invested in what you're negotiating, but you're just, you understand that all, every dollar, I'm not saying you blow money, but you just become, you understand that what to fight for and what not to fight for. I guess that's what I'm attempting to say. And I think people in business, negotiators, get very good at that. And when I look at these academic institutions, like in the NFL, when you negotiate, let's say, with the Philadelphia Eagles or the San Francisco 49ers, I use those two as an example because I know them the best. They have two guys that negotiate on behalf of them, like the true decision makers beside the owner in Parag Marate for the 49ers and Howie Roseman for the Philadelphia Eagles. These guys have been negotiating deals now at the scale of hundreds of millions of dollars for decades. So they are numb to it. And then their knowledge of what to fight for and what not to fight for is just going to be greater than the majority of agents beside a couple. So they're always going to have an advantage, right? And when I see these college institutions get in bed with Jimbo Fisher or whoever. It could be Nick Saban or Kirby Smart. The advantage that Jimmy Sexton, who represents the majority of these individuals, has, because he negotiates for a living and he's done it for decades, against the ultimate decision maker at these schools is not the athletic director, who I would say is never going to be on the level for the most part as one of these high-level agents, but he has a fighting chance but it's going to be the president. And while these presidents run hundreds of millions of dollars in terms under their umbrella for the university, most of them come from academia. So when you deal with grants or whatever for your institution, you're just trying to raise money to then go let your professors do whatever they're going to do, which is important. You know, I guess every individual instance is probably a little different based on importance. But it's a lot different. You're not paying any of these professors $10 million a year. That's never going to be the case. <laughs> the, the dude in the science department might be making at most three, four hundred grand. So when you pay these coaches this much money, it's because you're dealing with people that operate in these worlds. So when you see that Jimbo Fisher 
is owed $75 million. It's simply because, and I've been told this because I know some of these agents that represent these coaches, these academic institutions have no chance. They're always going to lose in the negotiation. And they consistently do. Because in no other world would you put yourself in a position to owe a guy like this who has not produced the ROI for you this much money. But time and time and time again, Jimmy Sexton bends these presidents over. In fairness to these presidents, this is not their world. They're never going to know. I don't care how many times they fuck up because this is all kind of monopoly money to them anyway. This is not coming out of their pocket. Like even in the NFL, Mark Davis just paid someone to go away. The logic behind hiring Josh McDaniels wasn't that crazy. Probably one of the best coordinators on the market at the time. He had to give him a six-year deal and pay him a lot of money because Robert Kraft, one of the richer owners in the NFL, was paying him a ton of money to be the offensive coordinator. So yeah, I got to pay him $10 million a year. If the place he's working at to be the number two is paying him six or seven, remember he was making an astronomical amount of money. I'm defending Mark Davis here. But in college, you get a president who can get desperate, who gets boosters in his ear. And at the end of the day, when you have to send these guys on their way, this money is just coming from other boosters. What I find crazy is the addiction you'd have to have to your institution to, let's just assume, I don't exactly know how this is going to go, but 10 guys, let's say less, five guys are really involved in getting together to get this $75 million over a period of time to get Jimbo Fisher out of there, right? And I, I just, I can't imagine being that individual. I, I really can't, <laughs> right? At least in the NFL, like you own the team. Like ultimately it's all your decisions. So even if you are the biggest booster, it's never going to be all your decisions. It, it just never will. Even if you do have a lot of sway. But this notion that everyone's like, I can't believe, you can't believe, this is happening over and over and over again. These presidents get taken advantage of because it's not their world. They have no shot. They, they, they do not. And they are never going to. They're just not. As long as academia runs the universities, this is going to continue to happen. Now, if you put a CEO or someone like that in charge of the entire university, and you'd be like, well, Middlecoff, they run these billion-dollar endowments. It's different. It's complete. You're just getting, you know, loads of money from rich people donating. In this situation, you're negotiating a specific contract with a specific individual. They don't do that anywhere else on campus. Hell, they don't even do that anywhere else in the athletic department besides some basketball teams. Hiring a soccer coach or a baseball coach is easy. Even if the guy makes a lot of money, it might be like three years, you know, $2 million (laughs) if my baseball coach you know, make six, $700,000. You're on a football coach. Football coach makes that every month. So th- these are complicated and the agents continue to win. It's time for this week's player or coach. I thought might give almost, almost anything to redo his game brought to you by Uber Eats. While Ken Dorsey was shown the door today and he was fired because Josh Allen stinks right now. The special teams coach right now has to be hiding under his desk. As Sean McDermott said, having 12 men on the field in that situation is inexcusable. As I said after the game, that, that's an embarrassment. It's inexcusable. I don't even think, I think understates how ugly that is. What a disaster that situation is. You can't tell me. Obviously, the special teams coach, 
But I was thinking about today, there's a player, and publicly it hasn't got out yet, that clearly fucked up, that was not supposed to be on the field. Whether he did not realize he was off the unit, whether he was on the unit in previous weeks and just had a brain fart. So the special teams coach, I'm sure, got undressed by McDermott. But that player who also screwed up, those two guys today, seeing Ken Dorsey clear out his locker room, have to be hiding. Have to be tiptoeing around the office. Now, while the players get a day off, it's probably just the coach. Tomorrow, that player is going to be terrified coming into that team meeting because it's ugly. And that's this week's almost, almost anything player and coach of the week, the Buffalo Bills special teams. And you can order almost, almost anything with Uber Eats, the official on-demand partner of the NFL. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Well, like many kids at 16, I got uh, a car that uh, came from my grandpa. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but because I was 16, had no money, I didn't have a choice, I took it. And then I personalized it. I tinted those windows. I put in multiple 12-inch subwoofers in the back so my parents and everyone else in the neighborhood could hear me coming from across town. And I turned that thing into something at first that I was like, I want something better to essentially my dream ride at the time because I had a car at 16. Can't Hard to complain. One of my favorite parts about car culture is regardless of the car you're given when you're young, you can find a way to make it cool. And that's what any young, innovative individual will do. I don't care what you're rolling in. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time. Every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is a little thing we call the mailbag. The middle cough mailbag. And the way you get in the mailbag is you go to my Instagram. It's just my name, at John Middlecoff. You fire in those DMs and get your questions answered on the show. We will start with Riley. If Sean McDermott got fired in Buffalo, does Buffalo take a look at hiring Brian Dayball given how it's going in New York? It's funny. Every Tuesday, I go on Gottlieb's radio show on Fox Sports, and we talk football. And he asked me, that if Sean McDermott is relieved of his duties, what do you think happens? Do you think they could go try to get Brian Dable? And I said, if this was college, the former offensive coordinator who goes somewhere else that they loved can save their quarterback, 100%. Brian Dable would be the next coach of the Buffalo Bills. They would pay him an ungodly amount of money, and he would leave. That's the way college sports work, which is kind of fun. Uh, but also pisses the media off a lot. I, I really kind of entertained by it all. But I, I will say about this. In the National Football League, that does not happen. Sean Payton quit. Said, I'm done. I'm burned out. I need a breather. Saints like, okay, we got to hire Dennis Allen, I guess. That sucks. And it does. And it did. And it has. <laughs> and uh, then he's like, actually, I feel refreshed. I, I, w- I want to coach again. Teams are sniffing around. Team offers me $90 million. The Saints are like, well, we would still rather have you as our coach. We're not just going to let you coach for them. Uh, we're going to trade you. And it's going to cost a first-round pick. And they, this guy, they already have a coach, was never going to coach for the Saints again, and they got a first-round pick. So if you're the Giants, even after this disastrous of a season, you could not risk losing Dayball who obviously has been pretty ugly, but just a year ago gave your fans hope, resurrected the franchise for a short period of time. Let's face it, it had been really, really ugly. And trade him to the Bills. Even if they trade him, I I think you would say no. So I I don't think that's an option. Now the problem if you are the Bills, you have to hire an offensive coach if McDermott is let go after the season. 100%. It's not even an option. You have to hire an... But what offensive coach? Jim Harbaugh? Which might not be crazy. I think Jim Harbaugh and Josh Allen would have a lot in common. I think they would definitely sniff around that. I think hiring a coordinator is awfully risky. Even guys that are having success. The Kellen Moores. The Ben Johnson in Detroit. I don't know if you can risk that given how high your expectations are. So I think they're in kind of a tough spot. I think they would 100% want Brian Dayball. Not an option. I think Jim Harbaugh would be the most realistic guy that you feel comfortable with, who, you know, former quarterback, even though he's wired a little bit more like a linebacker. Uh, but complicated situation for sure. Ryan, question for the pod. Have you ever considered doing a top 10 similar to the herd hierarchy? Curious to see who you would put in yours week to week. Not too much on the Vikings, LOL. 
I, I think the Vikings would be uh, it, actually probably not in the top 10 because the AFC would have so many 10. Let's just go off the top of my head right now. Niners, Eagles, Chiefs, in whatever order you want. Ravens, <clears throat> Browns. I'm not writing off the Bengals yet. Bengals, uh, who am I forgetting? Dolphins, Lions. I, I, listen, here's the, here's the thing with the power rankings. And listen, obviously the herd hierarchy. I got to get better at doing some of those things. That's why I do the middle cuff mailbag. Try to be consistent with uh, trying to do this Tuesday therapy. Just trying to add some landmarkers to the show. We're doing a lot of content. I, I Sometimes with lists, and maybe this is... I, I got to get over myself on this. I'm not huge on, uh, but they obviously work. So who's the dummy? Not, not Colin. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe a top six power ranking. Like the, I, I want a cool name for it. Like the Magnificent Seven. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you tell me. The Final Four, g- give me some sort of name for it. Any guess to how the Jags go about paying Trevor Lawrence? Hasn't put up great numbers, but wins. Does he get a Burrow Hurts Lamar type deal? Well, if they're one and done, or even win a barely win a playoff game, what's always the rush to pay the guys? Right, Joe Burrow. Totally understand. Resurrects your franchise, takes you to a fucking Super Bowl, has you toe to toe the next year with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, MVP, Super Bowl championship, just kicking ass, taking names. Hell, Josh Allen, your franchise was dead. Trevor's good. He's good. I'm not paying him after this year. We're riding it out another year. I think sometimes we're addicted to paying people. And sometimes it's the right call, right? Sometimes, you like this offseason, you got to pay Micah Parsons. You had to pay Nick Bosa, right? You got to pay Joe Burrow. This offseason, you're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. Like, welcome to the big leagues. Trevor, like, who cares about three years ago, everyone called you the greatest prospect of of all time. I'm going to need more than 30 touchdowns from you. And right now, I think I just checked, he's got nine. So I, I hear you there. For mailbag, now it looks like Coach of the Year is a two-man race between Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryans. What do you think it will take for them to separate from each other and ultimately win the Coach of the Year race? I think if Dan Campbell is the number two seed or better, I think he has to get it. It's the Detroit Lions. It was Jared Goff. Nobody wanted him. What D'Amico's doing is unreal. But if they go 10-7, and which is an awesome job, if Dan Campbell wins 13 or 14 games and is the two seed behind either the Eagles or the 49ers or somehow gets the one seed, it's the Detroit freaking Lions. It's the Detroit freaking Lions. Jared Goff, nobody wanted that guy. Nobody would have taken that guy a couple years ago when they did. Nobody. The Detroit Lions. Like Ultimately, we can make fun of the Houston Texans, especially the last couple years. They were winning a lot. They were going to the playoffs a lot with Bill O'Brien. They were not some joke franchise. I think Dan Campbell's going to get it. I, I really do. I, I feel like it's I feel like it's going to be hard for him not to win it. There actually might not be a bigger lock right now than Dan Campbell being the coach of the year in the National Football League. Do McDermott and Staley both get let go or just Staley? I think Staley will not be the coach of the Chargers. I, I would say McDermott's in some trouble. I would say McDermott's in a lot of trouble right now. And I think his actions are showing it. Anytime you fire the amount of coaches that he has, I mean, he fires defensive coordinator after the season, he fires offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. I think he's feeling the heat. And I think he's feeling the heat from the guys that signed the checks. And let's face it, when you're as rich as that ownership is, you don't get to live forever. You're paying this quarterback all this money. 
you're probably pretty impatient. You're probably really impatient. Even the amount of credibility Sean McDermott has brought to your franchise, him and Brandon Bean, I can't imagine those offices are really tense right now. I, I can't imagine that's a fun place. I, I, I really can't. First time mailbag question. What are your thoughts on this take Nick Wright had on Collins' podcast a few months ago? It's essentially giving each team an international game so you would have eight home, eight road, and one international. He also alluded to giving each team another bye week this way. Thoughts? Well, just because you play internationally now does not guarantee you a bye week. So I get it in theory, and I actually don't don't hate the international games. I don't know if there would be enough for every team. I guess every team could play a Thursday night game. Every team could play an international game. I don't think the partners, given aka the owner slash coaches, would want that. It's one thing to kind of be in the rotation. It's another thing to be the Jags and like playing over there a lot. It's another thing if you're Seattle or Arizona or the Rams or the Niners. You're like, I don't want to fucking fly to England or Germany. So it's it's a pretty big pain in the ass geographically, depending on where you are. It's a lot easier to fly internationally when you're a New York team or Buffalo than if you're Seattle or Denver. So don't hate it. Like, I mean, it's, you got to expand. You grow or you die. But I, I I don't think it's essential. I don't think it's essential. But that's not the way you can think when you're growing your business. It doesn't necessarily have to be essential. It's just, just a healthy, positive movement for the league. Because you could argue like, you you know, you just do the math. You're not technically, I guess every team now it rotates. AFC, NFC, you get that extra home game. But for a long period of time, no one had an extra home game. You just had, right, you just had the eight home games and eight away games. So now that extra home game every other year is kind of gravy. But I, I do think the impact of flying for some teams is greater than other teams that far away. I wouldn't pound the table for it, I guess. If they did it, I wouldn't be up in arms and act like it was some travesty. But I, that's not something I would fight for. I'm not. I wouldn't even be opposed to mandatory two bye weeks, just the way they're doing it now. But they here's the thing: the the games is how you pay for everything. This is not this is not the NBA. They're not looking to not have guys play. They're not looking to have games be irrelevant because when they play, a game is never irrelevant. You can put the Bears and Panthers, and nine million people watched. I, mean, I think it was ten actually. I guess that's a long way of saying kind of indifferent. I know it's never going to happen with Kyle loving Purdy and Bo going high in the draft, but do you think Bo Nix is the perfect quarterback for Shannon, the Shanahan offense? Well, isn't Brock Purdy currently the perfect quarterback? There is no think about this. Brock Purdy, I saw someone tweet out, has the same stats as Jalen as a passer right now. Brock Purdy is for fifteen. Brock Purdy's on pace for almost thirty touchdown passes. In like the 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 height of Jimmy, he was struggling to get like twenty three. 24. So you're getting six, seven more touchdown passes with second-year Brock Purdy. If Brock Purdy gives you 30 touchdown passes and you win 12, 13 games, and he makes under a million dollars a year, it's one of the greatest deals in the history of sports. Doesn't get any better than that. So they're just not even entertaining going with someone else. Never miss a show in you and Colin Sunday Conversations. Shouldn't we just change the MVP to most valuable passer? I understand quarterback is the most valuable player, but maybe we stop pretending it's an open competition. Totally agree. 
this would be a great year to make that argument. Like, ultimately, my bold take of the week on C.J. Stroud, it, it's not going to, he's not going to be the MVP. But he has a better chance of winning MVP than Miles Garrett. But in a vacuum, C.J. Stroud, like, Miles Garrett is a better player. And honestly, for, I mean, they're both very, very important. You, you remove C.J. from that team, they were in shambles. So that's this is a bad argument. But Miles Garrett, to me, I would vote for as the MVP of the league before C.J. Stroud, or even Lamar Jackson right now, Patrick Mahomes. But he's just not going to win it. The the award is going to go to, this is why we should rename it, to the quarterback who gets the hottest and his team has the best or second best record in his conference. So it's going to end up going to Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts. Just the way it's going to work. It's kind of sad because you watch Miles Garrett, you go, how many guys are playing better than this? How many guys right now are playing better than this? And the answer to me, you could argue he's the best player in the NFL this year. Remember Aaron Donald a couple years ago when it was just like, what is, what are we watching here? Is this is this real life? Is this actually happening? J.J. Watt was like that a couple years, and they could never win it. The one year I thought J.J. Watt should have won it. And if he can't win it, if Aaron Donald can't win it, no one's winning it. Tyreek Hill, they got, it's just, what are we doing? I'm with you. Just let's just rename the award. Most valuable quarterback. Who is A and M going to hire? I was thinking about this the other day. A and M is a place when you're a coach at another school that's kind of miserable and you just want to go make a lot of money. Because Google the history books. You're not going to win big there. You got really no shot in the SEC. You are never going to be better than Alabama, than LSU, than Georgia, and Florida. And obviously, Florida's down, Bama's up. They'll rotate a little bit over the time, but you're not going to be those schools. And now Oklahoma and Texas are coming into your conference? Oklahoma, historically, is way better than you. And now that Texas just has some stability with their program, they're better than you. So they can get and pound the table about the money, which clearly they'll pay for. I just don't see how they're ever going to be a powerhouse. They'll have some moments. They have a bunch of talent. But to me, they're not a program that keeps me up at night. They're really not. And I, I think sometimes programs get overrated because they have a lot of money. And I think Texas A&M is a great example of that. Because it's like, oh, God, look how much they're paying everybody in NIL. Look how high all these recruits are. Look how awesome all their NFL prospects are. And then you look and they struggle to win eight games. How are you going to get a good coach to go there? They, I, I saw... Dan Lanning said, like, I'm not leaving here. In what world? Dan Lanning would have to be on crack cocaine to leave Oregon, who's going into the Big Ten, who's absolutely loaded. He's literally winning, and he has to answer to one human. One. Phil Knight. That's the ultimate decision maker of the program. You go to A&M, even if they can match your salary, it's way harder to win. You got to answer to a million people. It sucks. So to me, Dan Lanning saying, yeah, I'm not leaving, basically saying, like, I'm not going to Texas A&M. Of course you're not going to Texas A&M. Oregon is an infinitely better job than Texas A&M. It was five years ago. It was 10 years ago. It was 15 years ago. It is right now. I listened to all your podcasts last month. This is the last person podcast. Wanted to replace Purdy despite him winning and putting up good numbers. Is he going to be the next Cousins-type player? Where every year people want to replace him and upgrade, but we look up in 10 years and he's won a shit ton of games and put up crazy stats. I'm not sure, but just something I was thinking about. 
Well, I think Cousins became very polarizing because he put up a lot of good stats and he was making a lot of money. When you don't make a lot of money, you can be polarizing, but people can only shit on you so much, right? You, you can't be the same critical of Dak Prescott as you can Brock Purdy. One guy makes 40, the other guy 40 million. One guy makes $790,000 and has practice squad roommates in the Bay Area. Now, the moment Purdy makes $40 million a year, $45 million a year, you get judged differently. Fair or not. I'm not saying if Purdy shits the bed in a second round game that he wouldn't get crushed. He would. But how do you hold him to the high, same high standard? He was a seventh round pick who makes nothing. What he's doing right now is remarkable because of that. It changed Once Cousins started getting franchised and started getting these big contracts, it's like, we're paying you to win playoff games and dominate. And he would let a lot of people down in the regular season. And then he finally kind of figured it out these last couple of years. Like, God, Cousins looks pretty good. So I, I think there are some similarities. As players, they're a little different. I'd say Cousins has a slightly better arm. Purdy's a much better athlete. Cousins can't move. I'm talking before the Achilles. Like Cousins was stuck in the pocket. This guy, sneaky athlete, really, really explosive in short areas. Like makes guys miss, keeps plays alive with his legs. Purdy's an impressive dude, man, as an athlete. I, I did not realize the 49ers were getting that when they drafted him. My only experience of dying hair was my frosted tips back in my teen years. So maybe I'm not there, the one, to have a strong take on this, but I feel like you're being a little harsh on Robert Sala. This feels like a situation when they're losing, we find everything to nitpick. If they were winning, would we say something like, man, this organization has things buttoned up, even down to the details of appearance? My point simply was, and I'm not being sarcastic at all, in what world in the NFL, when you're making $10 million a year, and your team's not going that well, you're a good-looking guy, are you worried about some gray hairs on your beard? I, I think it's kind of a weird look. Look around the NFL. Pete Carroll wears shoes everyone makes fun of him for. The New Balance, whatever they're called. Kyle Shanahan's had gray on his beard for years. Sean McVay can get away kind of with the boy band, hair, perfectly manicured. Wins a lot. Won a Super Bowl. You think Andy Reid's worried about the fucking way he looks or Belichick? So I think when you get a little worried about the way you look, you're not. who are you recruiting? Who are you doing this for? Your girlfriend in the stands? I, I do think let's just have the conversation. Like, why is he coloring his beard? If his wife says he looks better, totally understand. Happy wife, happy life. She comes first. But he clearly has a lot of gray hair. He's got seven kids. He's coaching Zach Wilson. Why, why is that even crossing his mind? Now, listen, I was insecure before I shaved my head. So maybe he's insecure about having some gray hairs. But, like, he's already bald. Who gives a shit? The, to me, the only thing he should be thinking about is like football. Why, why is he worried about the way he looks? Besides, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying like don't work out or whatever, but that is a level of like, are we trying out for the Kardashians or are we trying to beat the Patriots here? I'm not saying it's the end-all be-all. I'm not saying I'd fire the guy for it. But if I own the team, I might think a little differently of the guy. Like, I'm paying you to win games, not fucking manicure every gray hair out of your appearance. I think that's fair. When it comes to the Patriots, is it possible between Belichick's extension and their 2-7 and seven record that Bill and Kraft are giving each other a golden parachute? Bill gets one last payday and the Pats get a top five pick. Well, Bill's definitely going to get a golden parachute, but Kraft, they, he is not trying to lose these games. Bill Belichick 
is trying. Every hour that he's not in that one girl's house that he'd made the walk of shame at, he's trying to win. Bill Belichick is not tanking at all. I'll promise you that. And I think you even know that when you're asking. That's what. That's the thing about the NFL. Everyone that loses a lot, <laughs> they're trying to win. You know, in baseball, like the A's, like do they just tanked the last couple of years, traded everybody, just waved the white flag. Happens in baseball a lot. Happens in basketball. All Adam Silver's league is littered with tanking. In the NFL, maybe the last game. Remember how much shit Doug Peterson got for bringing in Sudfeld in that game? People freaked. That's why we make fun of like Eberflus and Frank Reich. Like they're trying to win. They're doing. They're not even just trying to win. They're spending 15, 18 hours a day at the office doing everything humanly possible to win a game. And they can't. <laughs> they can't win. I can't even imagine the hours. Belichick, Bill O'Brien, Joe Judge, those guys are spending at the office to have six points on the board in Frankfurt, Germany. That's why I couldn't have worked in football long. It's one thing when you're winning, putting the time, like Super Bowl champions become legends. I, I could never put in the time when the team sucked. I'd be like, what are we doing this for? We could spend 70 hours a day at the office. Mac Jones sucks. Our offensive line ain't blocking a soul. We can't cover anybody. So you can diagram every fucking play you want. Godspeed when the ball's kicked off. Because we are screwed. But these guys are sickos. And Belichick probably thinks that maybe he could win an extra couple games with Bailey Zappi. That's why I would imagine Bailey Zappi is going to be the quarterback of the New England Patriots. Other than that, adios. The Volume. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You know in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, You have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply.